of the filmographers uh this episode is going to be about barbara crampton uh i'm your host lenny and our guest this month is alayam lockney who is uh one of the people one of the amazing people who runs the major cast network and do you have a podcast your host right now i know king me is over king me's over um honestly We were doing We Are Experts, and We Are Experts is still going, but I think that we all got wicked depressed in quarantine <laughs> and didn't put it out. That is fair. <laughs> I know. I'm going to text, and we need to do it again. But yeah, if you want to listen to me on other podcasts, I'm on We Are Experts, which is a very silly show where we talk about things that we literally have no fucking idea what they are. Well, speaking of things that we have no idea what they are... uh Barbara Crampton was a really interesting, great choice for this because it was the first actor anyone has ever picked that I truly had no idea who they were. Like, even after I looked through all her credits, I was still like, oh, I genuinely have not seen this person in anything. So it was super fun. Um, Yeah, it was interesting because I feel like all usually all the filmographies, even though we've picked very different actors, they're still like basically the same because it's still just like, the movies that studios make there's not like that much variation yeah um so it's very interesting uh doing a filmography that had such a distinctive feel like this one um so what made you uh interested in barbara crampton uh part of it is that i do genuinely think that she has like one of my favorite filmographies like she really runs the gamut from like uh i, I don't know i i think she is in a lot of really interesting projects like even the stuff I, I think that this is actually kind of a good way to couch this. Like, there are some movies that she's in that I really don't like and that I think are kind of like dog shit, but <laughs> they're really interesting products, and it's very clear that they are, like, works of uh, real, genuine passion and mm-hmm. aren't aren't some sort of uh, Marvel money machine where, like, those movies are going to get made regardless um, and they're gonna hit a sort of low-level patina of like, well, this is this is a movie. It qualifies as cinema because enough money was pumped into it. Whereas like all, all of these really just feel like, um, yeah, there is obviously studio involvement, um, but a lot of them do feel like a bunch of people with like passion for horror in particular, which is my favorite genre, um, getting together with a bunch of cameras and, like, a script that they threw together and that they've been working on for a long time and trying to make something out of it. So even when it doesn't succeed, I never, I've never, like, regretted watching a Barbara Crampton movie or a movie Mm -hmm. that she's in, uh, because I'm always like, huh, maybe even if that wasn't very good, like, it was going for something and it, it was, like, a genuine attempt to make a work of art instead of, uh, sort of a product, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, Also, uh, so Barbara Crampton has been on several soap operas over the years. She starred on like four different uh, soap operas. And I did uh, watch a few episodes of each on YouTube, but I think we both kind of decided like, it's just very hard to discuss those because 
really unless you watch a soap opera like regularly over a year you just like don't really get it yeah and and tv is not my area of expertise as it is i've never i don't even really like watch soaps like the closest i've come to watching a soap opera is probably like degrassi and i fell off (laughs) of that you know um so for anyone who stumbled on this episode because you're interested in her soap opera work i apologize it's gonna be pretty much all movies and then like a couple random tv episodes yeah um all right, shall we start? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so this is pretty interesting. Her very first movie was the Brian De Palma film uh, Body Double. Um, and I I really loved this. Uh, I think it's probably my favorite movie of the ones we watched, um, even though obviously not my favorite like for Barbara Crampton because she mm-hmm. has literally one moment and I don't think any lines. Um, but uh, I really liked it. It's just like very uh, interesting and different. Um, and uh, I previously only knew about Brian De Palma from his feud with Paul Schrader, who I only knew from writing The Canyons. <laughs> so this just made me even more Team De Palma. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, you actually, I actually did end up a strong start here. I did end up skipping this one because you told me that she's not in it, and I did, I did have sort of a rule, uh, especially because at the time I was working in the games industry, so I just had no free time. That yeah. if um, she died like early in, um, or really didn't have anything to do in the movie, that I would skip or I would, uh, I would leave after leave as it were uh, uh, after she died. So I did not watch this one. Um, but yeah, I, I, Brian De Palma is like hot cold for me. I think he's got really good. Like the first Mission Impossible is great. Um, but I think that Carrie is not a very good movie. Um, mm-hmm. and then stuff like Blowout is like somewhere in the middle where it's like, this is a really good movie where you, it, it, you can see so much the like personal ideology on display that it kind of like detracts from it for me because it becomes so obvious, you know? Um, so yeah, those, that's my Brian De Palma thoughts. <laughs> um, all right. Yeah. So overall, this is, uh, a really fun movie, but, uh, definitely not for Barbara Crampton. Yeah. Um, next up is Fraternity Vacation, which was a, uh, sex comedy, <laughs> uh, starring Tim Robbins. And I fucking loved it. Yeah. I will watch any bro sex comedy. It, uh. It fulfilled exactly what it was supposed to be. Hell yeah. I, I watched up until um, this scene where they, like, overhear the Barbara Crampton and her, like, female pair, uh, like, talking like they might have an STD or something, and then they get freaked <laughs> out. Um, I, I, didn't, I didn't really care for this movie. I thought it was extremely boring, and sex comedies aren't very funny to me because... <laughs> You know, like I've I heard all those jokes when I was a kid, so so like it doesn't have uh, much appeal to me. So I thought this was like pretty boring, but I thought she was funny in it. All right, uh, all right next is Reanimator. Oh yes. Ones. Um, this is the one I'm gonna give my gold star. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, I think what what I really liked about Reanimator is it's like. I feel like it's the only um, movie I've seen truly replicate the experience of having, like, a weird dream. Mm-hmm. Um, just, like, being so... Going so far with just how d- 
disturbing and scary and sexual it is, it really felt exactly like having a paralysis dream, but in a good way. It was very yeah. fun. You're gonna, we are gonna be able to tell that like this is the moment where I get super interested because I have so much to say about Reanimator and just generally like the entire uh, Stuart Gordon oeuvre. Which like, first of all, shout out to Stuart Gordon, rest in peace. A, a positively fucking monumental filmmaker. Um, I love these, this like trilogy of Lovecraft adaptions he has. Um, are you, are you like a, have you, how much, how much exposure have you had to Lovecraft in your life? Basically none. I, um, I really liked him as a kid and then as an adult, like, read all the criticism that is true and valid about, like, <laughs> Wow, this guy was, like, really fucking racist. Um, I think that Stuart Gordon makes a lot of the right moves in adapting um, his stories. Uh, the original short story is no is pretty much nothing like this. Uh, it li Literally, it pretty much the only similarities are, like, main characters, this kind of, like, pushover guy whose roommate is this, like, kind of, like, mad genius... Um, who brings back the dead and then suffers the consequences. Um, but Stuart Gordon, like, completely reworks that into this, like, really interesting, weird story about, like, uh, uh, evil headmaster who's sort of, like, trying to obtain the serum and then is exposed to it himself. Like, I think it's a really interesting movie, and I think it gives... Barbara Crampton in particular a lot of room to shine because she has a weird role to play what a weird role and what a great role too um she she's uh, I've read a lot of interviews with her and she was a really big fan of the roles that Stuart Gordon let her play she talks about how they weren't very like they're they're still kind of couched within uh what women were allowed to play at the time but they get to do she gets to do a lot more interesting work with it particularly in um from beyond and castle freak which we'll get to um one thing i i think is really interesting about them too is is uh there's definitely like a nascent sexual thing in in lovecraft's work like i mean i you're you're the big you know you can identify horny like better than anyone <laughs> i know um and I would be really interested to hear your thoughts on Lovecraft, uh, his his writing, because it's not horny in the in the like typical sense. It's sort of like I think you're a little turned on by these tentacles, bud. I think you're kind of <laughs> into that. Um, and Stuart Gordon identified that, or 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 thought he did, and tried to pull out that sexual element. And I think it's a really interesting way to like give these give this trilogy a sort of theming i think like the there's a lot of like obviously lovecraft's ideas about like the uh the 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 pull and and negative consequences of the pursuit of knowledge um but he but Stuart gordon saw like incorporates a sexual element into that that i think is really interesting um i don't i personally don't know how well it works in this movie like and, and i do and i know it's not uh always useful to like base your criticism personal criticism off of 
other people's reaction to a movie because sometimes people are dumb and they can't read a work like <laughs> Fight Club or like The Wolf of Wall Street. Um, but I did grow up hearing about the cunnilingus scene, like everybody being like, oh, it's so great. It's like so over the top. And then I watched it and I was like, this is this is like sexual assault. Um, and not that and not to say that, like putting that in a movie immediately, like problematizes it. Um, but I think that it doesn't work quite as well here because it's not as incorporated into like the pursuit of knowledge as as like from beyond is for example which like we i will revisit this and i will talk <laughs> about how fucking good it is in from beyond um but i do bring this up because i think that like this is kind of what makes barbara crampton sing is like she has to do this like weird weird fucking scene where a guy with no head uh like takes his head and holds it and tries to like eat her out um and she and i will say too she has talked about that scene um she like that that's kind of what was good about Stuart gordon was he was very respectful of boundaries he specifically worked with barbara crampton jeff coombs and a couple other people uh for these movies because he was like i want us to trust each other i want us to know each other because we're gonna have to do weird things in these movies and you should know that going in and you should be like you should be down for that basically um and and so like her boundaries were respected and i do think that that is like part of what makes that scene a little less iffy because like ultimately that's kind of what i care about in a lot of these like tna horror movies is like we'll get to other ones but there are other movies in this where you can tell like man these people didn't want to be naked this is weird <laughs> um yeah, I just, I, I, we could literally do an entire podcast episode just about Reanimator. I think that Barbara Crampton does like such a fucking incredible job in it. Acting against Jeffrey Coombs, who almost was my actor for this, because he also nice. is so fucking good at what he does. Like, they're t two of some of my favorite actors. Um, cannot, uh, Reanimator does not quite get my gold star, um, but uh, it is, it is well worth a watch, and it is just so silly like i think that's another thing that gets not talked about as much because they're like really good horror movies but they're so fun they're so silly like there's that scene where jeff coombs and the roommate are clearly like fighting with a cat puppet and and it's just it's so fucking good you it's it's hard to describe because like you said it is sort of dreamlike um where people are sort of just moving along because we want to hit the next beat um, but it does that really well in a way where you're never really like, even when you do think about it, you're like, I shouldn't think about this too deep because that's not what this movie is about. This is about like cinema and not does this plot logically make sense? Fuck. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm a huge fan of these films. They are like some of my favorite films of all time. Yeah, I think that uh, the sequence you're you were talking about uh where he takes off his head is uh definitely the part that makes the movie for me and i do uh i would understand like anyone uh, objecting to it and not enjoying it and not liking that i enjoy it um and i don't think it's like trying to say anything like i think people have this weird uh i feel like people have this uh tendency with problematic stuff to like if they like it insist that it's like satire or commentary or something but for this, I feel like it is just uh, 
a visceral thing of being like, this is so disturbing and so uh, pushing everything so far more than anything I've seen that I think just like uh, really works just like on a pure uh, oh, yeah, visceral yeah. level that I don't uh, uh, like, um, I, don't, I have no justification for enjoying it. It's just really good. Oh yeah, I, I, I want to make very clear. I'm not trying to like, I'm not trying to like, point a finger at anybody who enjoys this like i think one of the most useful lessons that i've i've learned with like criticism is that there there if a thing is like personally upsetting to me or possibly like triggering to me that does not necessarily like inherently make it bad doesn't inherently make it good either but (laughs) there there's like there's like a line and i i think that these movies ride that line and i don't i think that that scene is being made in specifically because of Stuart Gordon's interest in uh, sex and sex as horror um, is is being done in good faith and is incorporated legitimately into the story. There are a couple of these movies that have like sexual assault sequences that come out of fucking nowhere that yeah. come out of completely left field. And this is gross, but I do think that it is like very hammered home that that character is is into Barbara Crampton's character in a very gross way. She gets to like play off of that legitimately. She she doesn't like have a ton of authorship necessarily, but she at least gets to like express um distaste as opposed to some of these other movies where like literally I'm thinking of Death House where like <laughs> somebody gets their their shirt ripped off and they're just supposed to stand there because they're literally like automatons and it's just fucking gross yeah and I feel like we also in so many of these movies it's just so lazy that they'll just like yeah put in a sexual assault because it's just like um like a really simple like go-to sequence uh that they think will like make you feel something um and this sequence it's just like the uh like they took the time to think of this insane series of things that has never happened to anyone and will <laughs> never happen to anyone so i feel like it's very different than just like a lot of the horror movies when they throw in uh sexual assaults on top of the horror like totally separate from it it just seems like very lazy to me i agree yeah yeah, yeah. all right do you want to we got to move on because otherwise we'll be here all day yeah. i will not let us stop talking about reanimator um next up is chopping mall and i feel like this is one of those movies where like you see like the trailer or the cover or something and you're like oh man this is gonna be so fun and then kind of like pretty early on you're like oh right like actual good movies are fun yeah this i this is one of the ones that i turned off after barbara crampton died like 45 minutes in I've heard a lot about a lot of people in the horror community have like talked about Chopping Mall with this sort of reverence, and I don't get it at all. Maybe at the time, um, because the, it was the '80s and the bar to clear was like kind of low, but it was just like you guys are just doing shitty RoboCop. You guys are doing shitty RoboCop in a in a mall setting that's a slasher. Like this sucks. Yeah, and I felt like it was just such a, like, simple idea that you could think of some really fun sequences for, of, like, a killer robot in the mall, and they just, like, had nothing. Yeah, <laughs> like, couldn't we at least get some, like, weird off-brand store names or something? Like, like let's go to the fucking, I don't know, like, I, I, you, I don't think you've ever, have you ever played Dead Rising? No. Dead Rising is a really fun game because, like, it's set in a mall, and the point is that, like, the the tagline was, like, everything is a weapon. So you could pick up, like, a park bench, or you could pick up, like, a lawnmower. You can go to the the gardening store and pick up shears, 
or you can go to the construction area in the mall and you can pick up like a drill um and that is a really creative fun game for that reason and like that that spirit should be here in this movie and instead it it just feels like they copied fucking robocop (laughs) yeah a lot of the time i feel like you don't even really like see the deaths you just see like a robot approaching them and then it cuts away yeah you do see barbara crampton die she gets like decapitated i think right yeah (laughs) Yeah, that's kind of fun yeah um all right next up is from beyond uh (laughs) yes you want to talk about it Oh God, yes! This is this is like an unequivocal gold star. Um, again, a really, really smart adaptation of the original story. The literally that first scene in the movie where uh, um, Tillinghast uh, uh, puts up the like turns on the the pituitary gland machine that lets you see into the like fifth dimension or whatever. Um, and then it explodes and it eats him and, uh, uh, Crawford. Oh no, I'm getting them mixed up. Crawford turns on the machine and Tillinghast, played by Jeff Coombs, uh, jumps out the window. That's the entire short story. That's the, that is the entire story. The rest of the movie is completely original. Um, what a good, what a good fucking execution of the idea. What a good, like, to, to revisit the sex thing. One of this is my favorite part of the movie is and it's why I think it's such a good incorporation of the like sexual horror. Um, is that the machine makes you horny? <laughs> is that like the thing that like makes you that that you are drawn to because it allows you to like perceive and know things also makes you horny in a kind of like twisted way. There's no like out and out sexual assault in this movie, but like, there's that incredible and and again like this is the uh, okay Barbara Crampton so like the arc that she goes through in this is so fucking good where she goes from this sort of like kind of like more meek scientist like a little closer to what she played in Reanimator and then as the machine influences her um, Jeff Coombs and oh god I'm I'm forgetting his name but he was in Dawn of the Dead um, I'm gonna look this up. Ken Faree, Ken Faree, another like, like top tier uh, uh, actor. I fucking love him. Um, great horror actor. Like as the machine influences all of them, uh, she begins to become more like assertive, a little more aggressive. Um, she's like, we have to figure this thing out. This could like, this could like. I know that this is like problematic or whatever, but the 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 premise being like. Maybe if we figure out the pituitary gland, we can, like, cure mental illness, which is, like, ridiculous, of course. But, um, and then she goes from that to, like, she finds uh, uh, Crawford's, like, BDSM gear, and she becomes sort of, like, a sexual sadist and everything. And she is such a good actress that she just completely sells it all. Like, she brings, uh, that's one of my favorite things and part of why I picked her, is because no matter how weird or out there the movie is she like brings a hundred percent to the role with like a couple of of understandable exceptions um and uh i I don't know like that arc to see her go through that that is is so nice and to see her um and i think at this point her and jeff coombs are like a little more comfortable with each other there's a lot of like really good subtle moments of acting between them like when crawford shows up again and he's that weird flesh monster 
and she's kind of drawn to him because of the horny machine um and jeff coombs kind of like steps forward because he knows how dangerous crawford is uh and like stops her but you can see in his performance like he's stopping her partly because he knows that crawford is so dangerous but also because he's drawn to him too like because the horny machine's working on him too oh this is such a good movie i'm sorry you should say something about it too yeah i also really enjoyed it um it didn't work uh quite as much as reanimator for me uh most because i felt like um the story dragged a little sometimes um especially like after the snm gear sequence kind of like a lot for a lot of the time after that i was kind of like i feel like we can wrap this up Mm -hmm. um but yeah, it's really uh, it's really interesting and well done. Um, and yeah, just it just gives you kind of this uh, this nice feeling of being like that director knew what he wanted to see and he he got it done. Yeah, I, I you're right. You're totally right about the structure. This kind of casts structure to the wind. Um, I do kind of like it for that. Just generally, like I kind of have an antipathy for like the the rules of of cinema, even though I do understand why like. There are reasons that we have act structures and stuff like that, but I do like it when a movie kind of surprises me in the way that this does, where the final act is like, we're in a different fucking movie right now. <laughs> like, we're getting the first person, like, heat vision or whatever out of the pituitary uh, proboscis that Jeff Coombs grows. Like, I, I don't know. I think that this is, uh, I really like the ways that this movie surprises me and just how fucking wet it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh my god. She talked uh, I read an interview with her where she talked about um the effects work and she she mentioned that uh uh the the like liquid thickener that they mm-hmm. used to get that like goop on everything is the same stuff that they used in McDonald's milkshakes for a long time <laughs> and I think maybe still do, which is a very funny detail. Yeah, I love all the the visuals. The effects are really, really great. I think that might also partly be why this pushes it over for me is because I'm really into that sort of body horror. Um, Oh, God, what's that? What's that line? Um, My body, my body is flesh, but my mind is indivisible. It's so (laughs) fucking good. Yeah. All right, we got to move on. We got to move on again. Gold star. Like, uh, watch this fucking movie. It's so good. Um, all right, next is The Evil Clergyman. Uh, do you have anything to say about this? I feel like it was a complete, like, <laughs> completely bland, uninteresting experience. I, I agree. I think it's pretty boring. For a 30-minute thing, you really do feel the runtime because um, it's just shot in that one room. Um, I can't remember which Lovecraft stuff it's pulling from. I think it's pulling from The Rats in the Walls. Um, I think the only thing about this that really, like, sung was that little man rat who cussed at me. (laughs) Yeah. That was very fun. Um, yeah, I think it's an interesting idea, and I would have liked to see it if it had any budget. It kind of reminded me of, um, I don't... Oh God! It's the Shannara Chronicles. Is this oh, on MTV? Yeah. Did you ever see there was no. a, there was a pilot that was made, sort of like in a Spider-Man situation, where the only reason it got made was so that way the the production company could like hold on to the rights. 
because uh, they could say like look we're doing something with it and it kind of had similar vibes to that where it's like this takes place in one room it has no money and that's why we have three actors and a bed <laughs> yeah it's worth it to see barbara act like if you're if you're a diehard fan like me like i think it's worth it um because again like she really does try in everything she does pretty much um but yeah other than that not really much of substance to talk about all right next is puppet master i didn't i didn't have any fucking fun with this and yeah same she has like a little role like i've heard a, a lot about the puppet master franchise and i at a certain point in the movie it was like oh it's because there's these like sex scenes in it and and yeah. porn wasn't as accessible it's like just just <laughs> watch porn everybody yeah, I agree. A really, really not a fun movie. She has like a short little like, and it's not it's not a cameo. It's it's like I don't think she even I don't think it's even a speaking role. It's it's totally not worth it for Barbara, <laughs> and it's not worth it for the puppet. So skip it. All right, next up is Trancers Two, a movie about a future trooper Jack Death who returns again <laughs> to save a Los Angeles commodities broker from zombies um let me let me i actually gotta look up my my notes for this um this was the second movie i watched in quarantine so i kind of don't really remember it very well um yeah this sort of belongs to a type of 80s schlock that i think would have held a lot more appeal at the time um i don't know i watched literally every everything i can so i don't i don't like regret watching this um i but it, it is it is so silly it is it's that like high concept premise where none of the execution ever really dwells on the concept at all of like sending someone's consciousness back through time and then like what doesn't doesn't his like his wife from the future comes back and there's like a love triangle because he's like moved on even though theoretically he's going to be pulled back to the future at some point yeah i thought all the stuff about like uh time traveling but you like get assigned to random body was like really like interesting and cool and could go a lot of places and they just sort of do this like what felt like a very like typical uh very like het love triangle with it yeah. um it's kind of disappointing and this is like this is like days of future past if it was like fucking boring and didn't explain who the villains were or what they wanted at all all right yeah i'd say i'd say eh, i don't know if i would actually say skip this i don't think it's like unwatchable even though it is boring <laughs> <laughs> and barbara crampton does fun stuff in it uh, next up, Robot Wars. Oh, man. I fucking loved Robot Wars. <laughs> yeah, this uh, definitely visually was very cool to watch. Yeah, I miss I miss the era when, like, uh, prop... I, I mean, I'm probably getting the, the name of the job wrong, but, like, the prop master or whatever. Um, I miss the days when they would have to be like, all right, I'm on this movie that's supposed to take place in like robot mech war future what what does that look like i don't know how can i do that on a shoestring budget crazy straws like 
there's something that looks like a bong that they serve coffee out of and like i'd go ape shit for that i would take that any day over our fucking like cgi chrome dome shit that we get now where it's just like everything is just like okay that's like round and metallic so we're in the future all right <laughs> yeah it's it feels very detailed um and yeah i definitely a visual treat uh especially if you uh like older sci-fi um the i felt like uh as a movie, it wasn't too um, interesting other than that. I felt like kind of once you get used to the, like, costumes and stuff, um, there's there wasn't a lot to, like, sink your teeth into. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I don't know. It's just, it's just, like, a very simple movie from its time, and I do kind of like it for that. I would put it, I would put it in the, in the same grouping as Trancers 2 or um, we'll get to a Cold Harvest. Where it's like this was like a shoestring budget, '80s action movie. Um, although Cold Harvest was '90s, but neither here nor there. Um, and and it's kind of charming for that. Obviously, like it has its issues. This movie's so fucking racist, dude. <laughs> Wildly racist picture. Um, but I I don't know. Like, there's something really charming to me about like seeing these robots fight and it's clear that they had like no money to do this and they still managed to like you know like communicate what's happening which is better than like a lot of movies now do um you know like there's never a moment where i was like wait where are we what are we doing right now it was always like very clearly communicated um literally i think like the bit that movie's biggest enemy was it's like budget and chunks of its script that could have like used a couple more passes mm. yeah i don't think it ever really sang but i actually really liked it you know yeah. yeah uh next up is castle freak uh i feel like i didn't get a lot out of it this i felt like it really dragged on i do think that this is like one of the weaker um or the the weakest of the three stuart gordon ones yeah, uh straight to tv uh, or no, was it straight to video? I think it was straight to video. Um, yeah, I, it's, it's, I, I actually kind of like the original Castle Freak short story better. Um, where the premise is like, the way the short story goes is, is this, is it's from the perspective of the titular Castle Freak. Um, and he lives in this like mirrorless tower or whatever um and knows nothing about it's it's very like plato in the cave knows nothing about the outside world eventually does like get out and realizes that his tower was like underground the whole time and he like he comes up from his underground tower and somebody like sees him and is like oh like freaks out and he uh sees his reflection i believe in a pool of water and realizes that because he gets freaked out because he doesn't know what people are like and he thinks that they're monsters and then he sees himself mm. and it's like oh i'm monstrous or whatever <laughs> uh so this is very different it's it's like weird how much of a family drama it is i think that's kind of maybe why it works less because from beyond and reanimator are so the the stakes are so heightened um that it, it's not it, you never really like feel the parts where it drags at least for me whereas reanimator there's a lot of like 
this is our family drama and the whole time i'm like there is a man in your house <laughs> and it's not and it's not like the boy level where that that family drama really gets incorporated into like how they end up um reacting to the monster outside of like that very last scene um that said i do think like this is totally worth watching again for like just to see barbara crampton and jeffrey coombs act off of each other because this is the most out and out like grounded and intimate that they have to be and it's like kind of a complicated role because he, uh roles for them because like he there it's it's that their son yeah their son died because jeff coombs was drunk driving um and to see Jeff Coombs like play that more grounded role and for her to like be playing off that and for her to have to think about like, oh, my son is dead. And like, I kind of blame my husband um, and or do blame my husband and kind of but I, I'm still like in love with him. And that's like a very complicated thing for especially for kind of a uh, like B horror movie to have to do. Um, and I, and I, I do think it ends up like even though the pacing is i think kind of the worst of the the lovecraft gordon trilogy um and i do think that like and and to talk about the sex thing i think that this is the movie that really does sexual violence like really wrong um even though again i think like there is there is a story thing but i think it's the flimsiest here um they're trying to like make it about make the 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 creature like tug at the heartstrings like he's he reminds them of uh reminds Jeffrey Coombs of his son because he's so broken down by what he's done and I don't I don't think it fully sells and and that's why I think that the sexual violence that the creature enacts as he tries to like be a child uh no 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 because it's not even that he's trying to like breastfeed he literally sees Jeff Coombs like sucking on a titty and then tries to do that, but because he's this, like, very violent creature, he just kind of, like, rips the nipple off. And I don't think that that works in the same way. I don't think that the uh, the villains, like... I, I don't think that, like, the, the, the way that the um, actions fit with the themes quite jive. I, I think it's definitely the sloppiest... Um, uh, that that said, I do really like it for seeing Jeffrey Coombs and Barbara Crampton getting to play these roles. Like uh, Barbara Crampton has also said, like she really enjoyed um, all the roles that she got in these Gordon movies because she felt like they were more complex and mature than most of the roles that were out there for her. And I think she's right. Like she she's a smart actress. Like she she's very savvy about like the landscape. Um, and and that has like definitely come into play in her more like uh, as her role as a producer more now, um, and so and I do think that she's she kind of hits the nail on the head that like these 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 three films Castle Freak included let her do more interesting things than she gets to do in say like a Cold Harvest. Um, so I do think it's like worthwhile for that, and I do think it is worthwhile to like round out the gordon lovecraft trilogy if you've enjoyed the first two but it's good to know going in that like this this one is maybe not as uh does not hit the heights that the other two do uh the next one is the godson uh a godfather parody in the style of like airplane uh 
and movies like that, um, which is just a real funny uh, movie to just get in the middle of all these like horror movies. Um, it's, uh, you know, if you like that kind of movie that is just like joke after joke after joke, uh, I thought it was fine. It's definitely not as good as like a, like not another teen movie or something on that level. Um, but uh, I I laughed at a lot of the jokes, and uh, Barbara Crampton is very very cute and funny in it. <laughs> um, I I have a confession to make. I actually missed this one because I googled the Godson, and I got like a TV show, so I assumed that this is one of the soap operas. So I'm very oh, sorry. Okay. I will um, I will probably end up watching yeah, it. Yeah, check to... it out. It's a it's a very silly. Uh, yeah, I funny I en- Dangerfield movie. I enjoy those types of films, and I would yeah. love to see Barbara Crampton in a more like comedic role because I think yeah, that she is a very good. funny person. Um. All right. Uh. Next is a Party of Five episode called Tender Age. Um. I've only see I had only seen like the first season of Party of Five, but uh. I thought this actually worked really well as a standalone episode because it does kind of feel like a short film because it's about um, he uh, the Matthew Fox character loses uh, the two-year-old brother in the mall and it's just kind of like this very very intense uh, realistic episode about what it's like in the the first few hours where there's a missing child where it like could be nothing or it could be the worst thing imaginable. Um, and, you know, I can't imagine why anyone would watch this for fun, but if you do, <laughs> it's a good episode. And Barbara Crampton is only in a small, a, t- a tiny, tiny bit, but uh, I did really enjoy her part because it's like um, the uh, the Brand- Brandon Scott Wolf? No, that's not his name. Um, Michael Scott Wolf? Uh, anyway, uh, that character is like running up to people and like asking like have you seen this child and barbara crampton is just like oh, there's no soliciting in the mall um <laughs> and at the time i watched this i was working as a canvasser in the suburbs and i was just so familiar with that type of c word so i really uh, really enjoyed her in it that's funny um yeah this was tv so i did not i did not watch it because i have nothing smart or interesting to say about television <laughs> All right, next up is Cold Harvest. What'd you think of Cold Harvest? Cold Harvest is kind of a weird one. I thought it was completely boring. I had no, <laughs> just like could not pay attention to this movie, honestly. Yeah, I, um, the action is, is legitimately, I think, well plotted out and shot well. Um, this, this director apparently, what, what, what the, hang on a second. I'm going to double check. Um, this director's clear, clearly his forte is action, um, because his other, his other movies are, thank God for IMDb, uh, uh, like undisputed acts of vengeance. Like he, he does lots of more like action fighting combat movies. And so I do think that like the action in this is fun, um, Barbara Crampton doesn't have a ton to do, but she does at least get to, like, cap a couple people, um, which is fun. Uh, God, oh, you know what? No, no, no. The the scene, the scene that is the only, is, like, the reason to watch this movie is when, um, okay, so it's, like, th- the premise is so weird. There's so many cooks in this kitchen where it's, like, 90s comet horror 
uh, premise where like, oh, a comet's coming and it fucks up the world. But then it's like a plague. So it's like a plague apocalypse movie, even though you never see the plague. Um, and then it's like a Western too. There are so many cooks in this kitchen, Lenny. Um, and the premise is that like, she's part of a caravan of people who have, oh my God, that's right. And it's like a, a familial revenge tale. Jesus. Cause she's in like a caravan of people who are immune. And so they can make a vaccine. Um, uh, uh, and her, she does not, she is not immune. She does not think she's immune, but her husband is. And her husband is this like total fucking dweeb who gets killed like immediately. And then her, his brother, who is played by the same guy, uh, uh, is like the badass Western. And it begins this like, uh, fight to save Barbara Crampton because he learns that she's pregnant with his brother's kid and the kid is immune. And I can't remember how they figured that out. It's some sort of weird, like heat vision pseudoscience thing from the nineties. But there's that scene where uh, he, he tell, like, the military shows up to, like, save him or whatever. And there's, like, a bunch of, like, future fashy-looking goons, like, Starship Trooper shit. Um, and they tell her. And, and then she learns that she's pregnant right then. And they all are like, congratulations, like, one at a time. It's so fucking funny. It's incredibly <laughs> good. Yeah, I would put this, I would put this, like, above, um, Transfers 2, but below Robot Wars. All right, we're gonna break for a quick, uh, ad for some of the other great stuff on the Major Cast Network. People ask me, why should I listen to your podcast? Because there's, like... <laughs> 10 million X-Files podcasts in there. I say one, we give great commentary because all those other X-Files podcasts, they're just like fucking <laughs> masturbating over Chris Carter's creation. Yeah. Number two, we will make you come. <laughs> Whether you like it or not. Yeah, it's going to happen. <laughs> we'll, we'll hit a button sooner or later. Yeah, we're, you know what? We're going to cover so many fucking hot topics and one of them someday going to be yours. And you might not even know it. You'll be sitting there listening. You'll be like, oh, damn. (laughs) I completed. And I didn't even know that was my thing. Five stars. (laughs) Review, please. Catch the Double X Files Tuesdays at noon on your favorite podcast app. Baby, we'll treat you so right. Next up is lightning fire from the sky and i think that definitely the most interesting thing about this is that it stars a very young jesse eisenberg i think he was like 14 um and he's just this little dweeb who is like obsessed with finding uh patterns in the environment and so he warns everyone about these unusual readings and just everybody is like, shut up, you fucking nerd, uh, until the disaster strikes, uh, which is a formula I always enjoy. Yeah, I actually really liked this movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, it's, listen, it's fucking better than anything Roland Emmerich has ever made. So, like, there's that. Um, 
But there's so much like silly fun shit. Like when you're in a in the POV of the lightning as it travels <laughs> through the lockers and kills the principal. Like, God, that's good shit. And Barbara Crampton is so fun in it too, because she's playing the like the Jaws mayor who's like, no, we gotta <laughs> keep we gotta keep everything open or whatever. Um and then she, she gets like she gets killed by the lightning, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I feel like she gets, like, blown up in a car. It was, it's been a long time since I've seen this. Um, God, what, what a just fun, silly movie. And then, like, the reveal that it's, like, the reason that all these storms are converging is because there's, like, a shitload of iron in the earth (laughs) in this town. Just, like, man, what a fun, what a fun little picture. Yeah, it was, it was surprisingly good. They put... Uh, they put a lot of work into making each character uh, interesting, which I think is often like what makes or breaks these movies. Um, yeah. I love the cute little romance where Jesse Eisenberg meets a cute girl, but like all he can do is talk to her about the readings he's getting from the sky. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. I re- it, and it kind of like it, it weirdly has the cadence of like an educational film, which I think kind of mm-hmm. gives it like a tone which is another problem with some of these movies is like transfers 2 doesn't have a tone <laughs> you know this movie has a like has a feeling that it invokes and that is like one of its stronger qualities yeah i agree um all right next up is the sisterhood woo i fucking loved this movie this movie is like unironically really fucking good i think what 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 are your thoughts before i fucking like go off i hated this movie it (laughs) uh it's so weird because everything about it is just like a softcore porn except they refuse to show even a titty uh there's just a lot of like grinding um, there's so much grinding there's with full so pants much on, with pants and on. um, it drove me insane. <laughs> I was like, "This is a pretty sexy plot," and uh, if they actually did it, I could see it being a good movie. If it wasn't all fucking grinding, um, and there would even be like, there's a scene where she's making two guys. It feels like it's supposed to be kiss, except they don't. You can see that they are not touching each other at all. And the girl watching them is like, yeah, do it harder. And you're like, do what harder? I can literally see that they are not touching. It's so weird. It feels like a like Mormon film that's meant to like turn you against horniness and be like, oh, horniness will only ever be used against me. I'm never uh, going down that road again. Uh, it's bizarre, and I don't know why it exists and who it's aimed at, but now I do know, because it's you. Yeah, I love this fucking movie so much, because it's, like, finally, like, re- like camp, like, real camp. There's so many things that are, like, called camp, and I don't think that this is... I, I think you're totally right. I don't think it fully squares the circle on on camp, particularly, like, not particularly, but, but almost solely because of the, the kind of... Um, more reserved sex stuff uh i don't it's hard to say why that decision was made did you know that this is directed by the same guy who directed a talking cat uh i don't know what that is i think you told me that (laughs) a talking cat is is sort of um a a very much talked about beam not even a b movie 
uh like kind of like fun bad movie to watch uh in those circles uh has a very very similar kind of weird like it feels like they shot this in one of the mansions that they rent for porn uh kind of vibe to it but the uh, talking cat is is very much more explicitly like supposed to be a family movie so that's about as far as it goes um the i i believe i might be wrong but i believe that the director is a gay man um based on his imdb profile photo and also the other <laughs> other uh titles that he has made uh so that is part of why i kind of have an affinity for this is because like this is the and why i do think that it is is camp is because it is like actually a gay man directing a thing with like very obvious queerness in it <laughs> he's known for a husband for christmas knock him dead and oh interesting the puppet master three there you're there is very like queer softcore stuff going on in here i think it is partly like the the exaggerated like very silly element um that i think like again like this movie has a tone which some of these movies don't uh it's very over the top in, in like ways that i do think are are maybe not always creative but are executed creatively by the actors and that does feel to me like the director coaching them because you don't get those performances without a director who kind of knows what's going on and this guy's made enough schlock that i would be surprised if he didn't know what his movies were and what he was going for especially because there kind of is a tonal consistency between this and a talking cat and I really, I, I think you're right. I really would like him to just full on be like, here's the gay sex. Here's the part where these two guys fuck each other. But that, and so that did detract from the movie a little bit for me, but not enough. And Barbara Crampton is killing it. She cries in this movie. She, she literally does like work the waterworks. They're not fake fucking tears. Like she's producing this, those salty good ones. Like it's it, and, and like that is also kind of why i like this movie is because it's like she's fucking giving her all for this and it kind of works and that is a really hard line to toe is being a very genuine actor in a movie like something uh like this uh and still having it work i there there are a couple movies where i think that really uh is on display like i just watched killer clowns from outer space and the the like good cop as it were uh is is playing it so fucking serious like he he thinks he's in a different movie than he is and it works because it kind of heightens how kind of weird and surreal it is and so i think that that's a good thing that barbara crampton brings to projects like this and there is something i really do enjoy about these like goofy porny movies that i don't know uh, that that maybe don't always like hit the most creative original beats but like hit them pretty well and to like I, I don't know there's so much to pick apart when you're watching this movie and like the little beats of performances or like the editing in this movie which is fucking bananas or uh even the soundtrack which sounds like b-sides from sonic r uh so th there's just like this perfect little stew of weirdness that coalesces and comes together and and uh, to to invoke a talking cat again i think that this is like much more interesting to watch than something like that 
um because it is so much about like oh like it's it's the it's just the temptation element of every vampire story but that's the entire movie and so they like pull at it so much that it like kind of ends up being very funny and silly for me uh like this is not a scary movie and i don't think anyone working on it really was like yeah this movie is going to be really scary when it gets released to dvd or whatever um so yeah I, I i really liked this this came close to being my gold star just for like the tone that it hits but i think that from beyond is just so unironically fucking brilliant that it had to get it so yeah Wow. Yeah, this was definitely one of my least favorites. It felt to me like a very like cynical thing of like, we're gonna purposely make a so bad it's good movie. And like, I felt like anytime the plot or relationship started to hit a point where they could be like, interesting at all, they like pulled back and were like, No, this is just uh, for people to like, hate watch. Mm -hmm. And um, it pissed me off. (laughs) I, I got really mad watching this. The next one is Your Next, uh, which I watched once and very early on was like, this is clearly one of her classic, not a real movie, uh, just absolute shit movies, so I'm not going to pay that much attention. And then I found out it is like one of the more acclaimed ones. Uh, So I watched it again and again was like, this is a terrible movie. It's so... uh, uh, it feels so much like a student film uh, with the quality of acting and dialogue, um, and I truly don't understand the appeal at all. Is there? Do you? I'm very curious. Can you? Do you have anything to like expand on? Because I, I'm not as hot on this movie as a lot of people, but I do like it, and I do think it's doing interesting things. Um, so, is there? Do you have anything more the more to like dig into? Because I'm very curious to to hear why you didn't enjoy it. No, because it's just so seems so clearly like uninteresting and poorly made to me that I don't even know. Like, it's hard to talk about just like the absence of quality. Um, but uh, yeah, the the dialogue was probably the first thing that just made me be like, "Fuck this movie!" Um, and the acting just makes that like worse. Um, and then I just found it like very uninteresting. Like they're in a house and people start dying. It does what horror movies do, and then it ends. I um I like this movie because I think it uh will will get to uh Beyond the Gates. I think that this is uh my big gripe with Beyond the Gate, Beyond the Gates is um that it's repackaging of the '80s and that style of movie is not very not particularly creative i don't think it is a lot of just like referential stuff like it's very uh stranger things to me where it's sort of just we we did these things in the 80s and so we're just going to do those things exactly the same now uh and what i like about your next and some of the other work uh it's it's like a it's have you seen the guest no uh, that's another movie by uh, the the director writer team Barrett and West, Ty West and Simon Barrett. Um, I don't. I think that they their their uh, shtick, which is trying to re not repackage, but to build off of, and that's why I like this is because I think it's building off of as opposed to repackaging um, sort of eighties movies. Is uh, I, I don't think it always works. Like Ty West did 
the Death Note movie, which is trying to do some of those like 80s things. It's supposed to be like an 80s prom movie, but barely does that and completely falls flat and does not fit with Death Note as a property at all. Um, but your next and the guest are kind of like they're trying to do weird fusions of um elements of the 80s but sort of packaging them in more like modern ideas so they've talked about how your next is supposed to be like home alone um and that might be why it doesn't quite hit for you because i don't i don't think your next is supposed to be a scary movie um i don't I, like i think that there are the aesthetics of horror absolutely and that is why it is it falls into that um but also genre more or less exists so we can be sold things uh and that that is a there there's, there's like more nuance in that idea but i don't want to get into it right now um so i do think that this movie is kind of trying to like wink a little bit at you and i think that maybe that's like the difference that we're finding in our tastes is i do kind of like movies that are winking that are like yeah, things are a little silly, kind of like the sisterhood, um, where this is more just like, yeah, like the line, fuck me next to your dead mom, where it's not necessarily supposed to be taken fully as a horror movie. And I do, I, I think that that is a much more interesting idea to take a comedy from the 80s, take some of those elements and then incorporate more modern aesthetics from their chosen genre, which is horror in this in this sense, and trying to like fuse those two together. And I I do think that like this is definitely like an early uh, attempt by them. I think the guest is overall a much tighter and better looking movie. Uh, I do I do think that the acting kind of like varies. There's a couple of people like, hey Ty West, don't be in your own fucking movie, dude. Like that's not cute. It's not cute when M.I. Shyamalan does it. It's not cute when Peter Jackson does it. It's not cute. It's not cute when you're in your own movie directors. I don't like that. But I do think that there are a couple of characters that do a good job, like um uh what's the I can't remember the main actress's name because she hasn't got a ton of work after after this, even though I think she gives like the strongest performance in the movie. Sharni Vinson. Yeah, she really hasn't done much afterwards, and I think she does a, a good job. Um, she's in Step Up 3D, too. Yeah, I, I I can see why this movie would turn you off, but I do think it is, like, trying to do something intelligent that is executed a little stronger in The Guest. Um, and then they kind of... I think they work also best together because... All, all of their stuff where they're not working together, like Death Note or uh, Barrett wrote the Blair Witch soft reboot. And I mean, actually, technically, it's just a direct sequel, not technically, literally. Uh, and that movie, like, again, has like moments that are interesting, but lacks the, the like strong flavor of like, we're doing stuff from the 80s and we're trying to like actually build off of them in a modern context uh uh that that is like interesting to me those other movies kind of lack that and so i do like what this movie is is doing at the end of the day even though i do agree that there are like 
a lot of flaws that I think people kind of overlook. Um, and I and I do also. Uh, this is my last thing. I'm sorry. Uh, do want to do want to make special note too that this movie is the reason that Barbara Crampton's career kind of got reinvigorated. Because um, in the '90s, roles sort of ended up drying up for her because she was like aging out of what Hollywood wanted from a female actress. Like she's talked about this. Uh, and she kind of like moved to San Francisco because she was like, well, I guess I'm not really going to be acting anymore. Um, and then out of the blue, uh, Barrett and West like had their agent contact her agent. And uh, they were like, yeah, we want Barbara Crampton specifically. Like that's why they cast her is because she's from the 80s uh, and she's a big 80s scream queen. So they wanted to like pull her into this. Um, and then after your next, her career sort of like, had its second life that we're getting into. Uh, so even, I will say, even if you don't like your next, I'm glad that your next exists because it's the reason that we got more Barbara Crampton movies and that is totally worth it in my book. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's really interesting since I don't really know anything about uh, 80s horror movies or really horror in general. Um, I definitely did not notice anything like winky or referential in it. I felt like it was just like a completely bland, like, Mark Duplass mumblecore style movie of just like <laughs> we're gonna put a lot of boring people in a house and have them say just like the most uh annoying like trying to be realistic dialogue for a while um and yeah I wish I wish it had been more like Stranger Things that would have been uh, a lot more entertaining <laughs> um all right next up is Lords of Salem which is a rob zombie movie and uh i thought this was uh pretty enjoyable um they uh i don't have a lot of like deep story thoughts on it there's not a lot to sink your teeth into i think but um i always, I always enjoy rob zombie movies um i think uh it was very it was just fun um with like good uh good really good visual like set pieces throughout I'm not, yeah, I'm not a big uh, Rob Zombie person, but I think that Lords of Salem is, like, unquestionably, like, his best movie, and also, like, a really good one, you know? It's not just, like, it's his best movie, which doesn't necessarily make a, it a good movie, but uh, uh, this, oh, man, I think the soundtrack in particular to mm -hmm. Lords of Salem is, like, one of my favorites in a movie, probably, um, this is not a very important film in terms of like Barbara Crampton. She had more stuff to do, but she ended up getting cut out of a lot of the film. Um, also, I think that this is like Rob Zombie's strongest execution on like we're weirdos. Cause I'm actually not a big Rob Zombie fan. Like he, he eschews, uh, uh, structure in a way that I find, aggravating annoying and feel like indulgent distractions and not like not like fun ones not like a martin scorsese movie where he'll like have a kind of a side and it's like oh my god this is just like splash this tone all over me <laughs> when rob zombie has an aside it's like man this is like you're spending a lot of time kind of mocking this character with a mental disability and it makes <laughs> me uncomfortable dude um I do like I do like a lot of the tone that he hits in some of his movies, but I think that for fucking fuck's sake, he needs an editor. He he reminds me of Hideo Kojima a lot, where he's considered sort of this like brilliant auteur, 
And I'm like, yo, this shit could be like way shorter and could be a lot more interesting if you like did a couple more passes where Rob Zombie was not in the room on the script, you know? Like, yeah. But Lord, but Lords of Salem does not have that problem. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely uh, not a like tightly scripted uh, movie in any way. I don't even remember what the plot was, but it it's a good like chill out movie. It sort of felt like um, just like watching like a playlist of music videos on YouTube, um, <laughs> but like in a good way. It was, yeah. Like this is just like a fun friday night kind of movie yeah i think it's a good execution of the like i don't know like in there's so many horror movies where you kind of ask yourself like why don't they just fucking like leave um and <laughs> that that like and if i'm ever asking myself that question i know that the movie is failing to do something not because like because obviously like logic because movie characters don't feel uh, uh follow perfect logic and i kind of think that like logicking your way through a movie is a good way to turn into fucking cinema sins um but if i'm asking myself that in a movie usually it's because the movie itself has not done enough to like make me accept the premise in the way that the characters have um and there's so many moments in this movie that you should be feeling that because it's it's basically it's just her like listening to music interacting with creepy people and clearly being like selected for this dark ritual and then like it gets further and further and further every like cycle that that goes um and then until finally like the ritual happens and like by the way probably the best ending i think that rob zombie has ever penned like he likes to do those nihilistic endings uh this is the best execution of that by far uh and and never once was i like why isn't she just like stop the record you know it, it's because it's like yeah because this because the soundtrack's so fucking good that you're like i kind of want to hear more of this <laughs> yeah you know great movie great movie um all right next up is the po- the post-apocalyptic movie the last survivors um i thought this was decent um i thought uh i feel like you see a lot of cheap movies um that are similar to this because uh uh, you know, you cut down on a lot of expenses with movies like this, like obviously extras and stuff like that. Um, so, and I felt like by comparison, this really had um, decent like production design um, for a cheap movie that I really liked uh, seeing. But I felt like after maybe like a half hour of that, you get a little bored with it. Um, so I was kind of, uh, I guess uh, this is like a mid-tier movie. I didn't hate it, but. I didn't enjoy it too much. I have exactly one note here about it, and it is, I hesitate to see a reason to watch this for Babs. Right, yeah. Because she's in it so quickly and then immediately gets killed. She, like, does she even have a speaking role? I think she has, like, maybe one or two lines. Um, I really didn't like this movie. I was bored from the get-go. I think it's it's really, like... I do think that you're right that this is like a, a budget movie and you can kind of tell, but also like the things it's trying to do are so outside of its scope and it does not do them very well. Like it doesn't have dialogue for large stretches and that's fine. Like I'm not saying that your movie has to constantly have dialogue or whatever, but if your movie doesn't have dialogue, it should have interesting things happening that are directed well and shot well. So I can tell what's happening and what's going on. Um, 
And there were so many moments where I was like, where am I? Not not just not just in the grand scheme of like, where in the world am I? Where it's like, man, it's not even fucking important and not in an interesting way like Mad Max or Silent Hill. Um, it's it's more just like, where am I even in this house? Like, what what is the layout of this? What is the layout of this scene here? What is being blocked? I can't fucking tell. And I was just like so interminably bored. And I'm so sick of like apocalypse fiction that is that is like, and all the water's gone. <laughs> like if you got to do that, you got to do it well. Like you got to make a fury road, um, where you have to like it be be about more than just survival as a theme. the The idea of survival as a theme is like very uninteresting to me. Um, there are so many fucking shitty studio movies that do that and are about nothing. And it's like, like this, this is the air, this is sort of leans more towards the Marvel movie for me where it's like, what is this about? Is this about friendship? I could just play fucking kingdom hearts. Like that, that's, that's at least weird. Um, so this is like, it's about survival and it's like, well, okay, I could play a video game that evokes that feeling through play much stronger than like. We're in the desert and we're wearing rags and look at this bombed out building, you know? So I would I would skip this movie. <laughs> yeah, I think in this filmography, this is definitely one of the most cynical ones in terms of like clearly being like uh, feeling like a like Netflix algorithm movie. Yeah. Um, all right. Next up is We Are Still Here. Uh, I really fucking love this movie. Did you Hell like it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I We Are Still Here is become like almost like a comfort movie to me (laughs) like i've seen it like seven or eight times i think um this is another one that is like doing a lot of 80s referential stuff that is like more subtle um because it's it's doing a play on like 80s haunted house movies like all the main four actors are horror veterans um a lot of them have done specifically like haunted house features in the past. Um, what did you, I'm very curious. What did you, what did you like about this? Cause this is kind of an uneven movie to me, but in a way where I kind of be like, yeah, but I love it. It's like my kid. <laughs> yeah. Well, I really liked, I feel like um, so many horror movies try to mix the like personal drama with the horror with very mixed results. Like, 90% of the time I think very bad results where it seems very like tacked on and in this I thought like the personal drama was really driving it and it felt a lo- it reminded me of plays by people like Edward Albee um mm. where like so, uh it felt like even though it's like a traditional haunted house movie in a lot of ways it almost felt like it could have been like absurdism just like growing from the couple's relationship um into this and um, I, I love that feel. And uh, it like, this is p- partially because I'm not as familiar with the ge- uh, genre, I'm sure. But like a lot of moments like genuinely surprised me. And especially like at uh, the very end, I was like pleasantly surprised by how much I was like, good for them. I'm happy for them. Yeah, I think that this, I, you know what, to be honest with you, like this conversation has kind of like, lowered my opinion a little bit of of your next not to the point where i don't like it or but like i do think that you're right that there are like flaws in that movie that a lot of people don't uh 
totally acknowledge because there's a weird sort of like fan thing about Barrett and West because of the type of movie that they make. Um, and I think that that and We Are Still Here are sort of of a pair where they're kind of doing similar things, but um, We Are Still Here is doing it um, with a, a little more like doe-eyed, like very, very... I don't know, like, I hate nostalgia, and we will get to that with Beyond the Gates. Um, but this movie is nostalgic, but in a way that I think, like Your Next, is trying to build off of it and and hold, hold these old things in a modern context in a way that feels additive um, and not just, not just, like, copy-paste. Um, and you're right, like, I think that the... It's it's kind of incredible the line that they ride where like how hey hey dude how fucking good is the carnage at the end of this movie? Oh yeah, the carnage is really really good in this movie. It's incredible that we can go from like the evil house is sucking people into the floor and exploding them and Barbara Crampton how fucking good is it? When Barbara Crampton is like, you know, it's 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 like it's like that Simpsons jokes, like two knives. I gotta say, this is pretty terrific. But it's five knives, and she just fucking plunges them into that woman's jugular. It is yeah, so it, funny. It was really refreshing seeing a movie that like goes so hard with like every death. Um, and at the same time, I thought like I feel like this is definitely unless i'm forgetting something the best uh storytelling um of any movie she's in like um reanimator and beyond uh and from beyond like they're so good but it's like such a like director's movie it's so like the visuals you know and i thought that this movie had so much uh storytelling compared to the rest of her filmography which i really enjoyed i i will i'm sorry i will defend from beyond and reanimator and not necessarily from a script standpoint i think the script does some stuff but I think that particularly there's a lot of storytelling in the performances. Um, but that's neither here nor there. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, like I think that this tells like a really, and I don't mean this in a in a like condescending way. I think it tells like a very quaint story mm-hmm. in a nice way, in a way that feels homey, which is what this movie is about. Like it's about this couple that is so nice that the evil house and the the like, vengeful ghosts that live there are like actually we don't want to kill you and everyone (laughs) in this town fucking sucks so let's get them and like we'll still we'll still have our meal we we this movie literally has its cake and eats it too (laughs) and does is not worse for it um and you're right like like it is incredible that we go from like uh one of the best mass fucking murders that that is in her filmography to like they go downstairs and they do see their son. Like they they are reunited with their son, um, and and again and like part of the reason that I think that sells is because the performances, particularly Barbara Crampton's, are just like so full of heart and like genuine emotion. It's which is I know a ridiculous thing to say about acting because that's like the goal usually, but really hits like a high high. Um, and yeah, like, it, like, again, like, to, to, 
like you we are still here in your next are of a pair where like that carnage scene is so slapstick it's so slapstick like it doesn't it doesn't make any sense what's happening to these people but you're just like yeah like this is a fucking hilarious brutal kind of like frightening all at once uh uh kill scene and 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 then they go from that slapstick to like genuine emotion which i think is the one thing that is like really missing from your next is there's not quite nearly an emotional core other than like we're rooting for this fun girl who was raised on a compound or whatever yeah fucking great movie again a very close contender for a gold star yeah same all right next up is sunchoke uh i was really excited when i started this movie because uh i have a lot of affection for sarah hagan from uh buffy the vampire slayer and um it's just her and Barbara Crampton in basically a two-woman show uh, that's, like, very psychosexual, and I love psychosexual torture. Um, <laughs> but I thought this execution was just so goddamn lazy, and um, I feel like this happens a lot when people, like, set out to... Um, when people set out to write something psychosexual, but they're just, like, not creative enough, it ends up being, like, 90 minutes of, like, tense, ooh, what's gonna happen, and then just, like a straightforward assault. Um, yeah. It is it's a writer director too. It's a and it's a and it's a man <laughs> and and I think you can kind of feel that. It's it's very weird. It's trying to make a lot of like very essential very essentialist points about like womanhood and what that like entails which is Oh boy, you are you are treading in some rough waters to begin with there, especially if you're a writer director cis guy. Um yeah, I think you're totally right. Like I kind of went in with this with like pretty good faith and ended up being like like this is one of the movies where there's the sexual assault scene and it kind of comes out of nowhere um cuz she like goes out on the town and then a guy rapes her out of like fucking nowhere yeah it's uh it's just weirdly tacked on like there's um there's it's so much about the relationship between sarah hagan and barbara crampton which also like isn't well done yeah but it's like it really drags the movie down that they like tack in so much stuff with dudes for like no real reason because it's like the main like the one interesting thing about it is that it's all about uh like a young woman and an older woman which you don't see that much um but then they just like throw in all these things of like what if also a lot of dudes fuck her because there aren't enough movies where that happens yeah it's like it's so weird because it's trying to like capture the full and encompass encompassment the full spectrum of womanhood um and and there and you're right like there is like an opportunity to to be like here's what it is like to be like a younger cis woman and here's what it is like to be an older cis woman and and here's how maybe those two come into conflict with each other in the problems of society but it never really does that and i do think that like part of the reason is not just because of the writing but the direction really gets in its own way where it's trying to be like super cerebral and and uh and i do not say this lightly it is it is attempting to do like some lynchian stuff without understanding what actually is lynchian um and so and so you sort of have this like 
hazy movie that is dreamlike and not in a way where it like holds water and i don't know like the you're right like the the again you're right like all the there's so many opportunities to do with between barbara crampton and this young girl um things to do between them that are done just with dudes i just there's so many things in this movie that are like trying really hard to be deep um and i kind of feel bad because i know barbara crampton really likes this role because <laughs> she does like she she talks a lot about the types of roles that she gets now and she does speak fondly of sunchoke because she uh it, it was kind of the um gone girl discourse back in the day when we were all like we we all got our feminism out of the cereal box and we were like <laughs> is it problematic that um oh god what is her name is uh, that what's her name is a uh is playing a villain is playing such like a manipulative abuser or whatever when really the the actual answer is like women should get to be villains um and that is the point that barbara crampton has returned to with sunchoke and i think that that's valid um but i do think that ultimately like the movie is is not very good and kind of fails both these characters in that sense because they don't actually let them be the most fully realized it, it holds the actresses back because these are both good actresses like we like both of them um and it really holds them back in in both the writing and the direction from being able to like fully have those roles realized on screen yeah it's, there's this weird thing that sometimes happens in movies uh uh where there's like a lot of like nudity and a lot of like explicit stuff but it just like lacks any sense of horniness yeah. like watching it i was like I feel like you don't want Barbara Crampton to torture a woman, which I can't relate to at all. Um, <laughs> and it did feel weirdly like uh, he just wanted to make like a smart movie, uh, which he also didn't do. And um, yeah, I wish it had just been a horny movie. Yeah, it's so it's so weirdly sexless. Yeah, it, you know what? Like, I will say, I think it's worth it to watch because I I think that Barbara Crampton is like. Um, is really trying in it as is um i i do what's the other actress's name sarah hagan they're both trying like they're both trying really good and they're good actresses and they're bringing they're bringing like good work into this movie i think that this is more an interesting exercise and in, like this is kind of why i like uh movies that are like genuinely unironically bad is because they're really interesting exercises in like what is good and what is bad about movies and and what like how movies fail you know mm -hmm. Um, so I do think it's interesting in that sense. And if you do like Barbara Crampton, I think it's worth it partly because she's a good actress and also because she likes this role. And I think it's it's worth going in with that context, seeing what she's trying to bring out of it. Um, but this is not a very good movie. Yeah, if you're, if you're truly watching stuff just for Barbara Crampton, I would say you kind of have to put it on there because it's definitely like one of her most prominent roles. Um, but yeah, just as a general movie recommendation, no no thanks yeah um next up is tales of halloween i was really pleasantly surprised by how much i enjoyed this it's a, a collection of halloween themed uh short films and they're all just like so funny and so silly and um it was like something i didn't i don't even know why because i didn't like know anything about it but for some reason i didn't go in optimistic and then like I kept being like, this was kind of good after them. And uh, I had a I had a great time. 
I uh, I did not watch the full movie because Barbara Crampton's role is is purely speaking. She she plays a character's mother, I believe, or she's she either plays a character's mother on the phone, or she plays a character on the radio. I think it's the yeah, radio. Yeah, I think yeah. she's the radio DJ. Yeah. Um. So I did not watch the full thing. I am not as kind to anthology horror movies, perhaps, uh, as 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 you are. I there are well, this is the only one I've seen. <laughs> There are a couple that I like, and I do I do enjoy a good like interwoven horror anthology. I did not find this movie entertaining or charming at all. I think that there is a a level of horror movie that gets made um, where there is no budget, and instead of like trying, um, they're just like. Who cares? We can do whatever the fuck we want, and it's gonna be silly. It's gonna be so silly. And I and I know that I praise the sisterhood for this. I think that there is a difference where the sisterhood is going for a specific tone of camp. The the like, the winking of camp is very different than the winking of like, throwing your hands up and going like, ah, hey, who cares? Like it's kind of silly, and horror can be silly, right? Um, I do think that there are movies that that do that well. I did not think that this is one of them however i will say i did not watch the full movie so my opinion is pretty invalid here right interesting yeah i really didn't get that uh that feeling i thought it was like solid comedy with like actual like hard jokes where you clearly uh felt like they like put in the effort in a way that you don't all don't always see um all right next up is road games this is another one that i really really loved uh it's a French movie about uh, a sexy young hitchhiker and an ordeal that he goes through um, and I kind of early on expected it to be more uh, psychosexual because uh, I guess I just like expect that from the French and also uh, everyone in the cast is uh, extremely hot um, and it didn't end up uh, going that direction but I still uh, really liked the uh, the story interesting i i actually did not care for this one i i uh i don't think it was terrible i didn't i didn't find it uh as uh, like i didn't find it to be obnoxious but yeah i thought that this movie was uh i think it's directed pretty well like i i I, no no complaints about the direction i think that barbara crampton gives her again great performance like literally i don't think i don't this is i think the 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 strongest uh sell for barbara crampton as an actress is like i don't think i've ever watched a movie she's been in and been like that could have been better you know i I never have complaints even when she's not like really giving it her all i think uh i i think it's because she is do is giving the right level of effort for the movie she's in um and often far exceeds that uh, I did I did find the amount of red herrings in this movie pretty tedious. Um, I know that being able to like guess the plot of the movie and and knowing where a movie is going is not necessarily a, a sign of its quality. Like I do, I do think that being like, well, I figured out what was going to happen from the very beginning is a very, like, CinemaSins opinion to have. Um, Although, depending on the movie, I suppose. But for this one, I did get a little annoyed by how 
late in the game it was throwing up these like red herrings when I was very like when the movie itself had sort of already showed its hand and I was already aware and I felt um, a little annoyed because I thought it was distracting from itself where why where I got to the point where I was asking like why are you devoting time to trying to misdirect me when you've already directed me and you can instead be directing yourself with with greater purpose and focus um so i did find like parts of this movie to be uneven and i think uh disruptive to the pacing uh but i do think it was like an interesting enough movie um the premise is like pretty well executed on and i liked i thought it ended well like that if you want to if you want to make me like come away from your movie that I didn't particularly enjoy with a good taste in my mouth, you got to do the ending, right? And they did the ending pretty good. Yeah, I was like um I don't think I was like thinking about like the specific plot mechanics or like uh trying to figure out where I was going as much as you are. I just liked um that this like beautiful young dude was just like being menaced by like various beautiful weirdos <laughs> uh i that just delighted me i really really like uh frederick uh piero who plays uh barbara crampton's husband in this he's also in young and beautiful and i think is just so sexy on screen and so a lot of like small things of just like him giving the main character soup or whatever i was yeah. just like i'm on board for whatever is going on here um and uh yeah, I just uh, liked uh, watching these people ruin this this poor man's life. <laughs> Next up is Blood Brothers. Um, this is a really uh, cheaply made movie about uh, this sort of like sociopath. Uh, these, these two like sociopath brothers uh, who set out to kill someone, and um, I uh really hated this it just like made me feel very gross mm -hmm. watching it mm -hmm. just just gross and bad um yeah opening on an ellie wiesel quote and then pairing that with the fucking far cry like literally far cry level of far cry three level of intelligence the three is important because that's arguably one of the dumbest ones um the 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 quote of like do you know the definition of insanity that shit is for the fucking birds like get the <laughs> fuck out of here get out of my house um oh man there's a couple there's a couple of also just like production notes that i thought were the, like did you notice how the hair and the lighting seemed to like like the lighting sucked as it was and the hair wasn't gray and the way that they clashed i i'm not a hundred percent sure of this but because of the lighting you could see that it seemed like their haircuts um their like uh shaved sides were unevenly done like it was a it was like a badly done haircut like who was this hair person for the love of god um <laughs> Yeah, this one bummed me out. Like, it it just... Oh, hang on a second. I'm looking through... Because uh, I really hated this one. And it came yeah. very close to getting my black ball. And I, I will say, I think um, 
my black ball is it has been picked um because of my like personal feelings but if you want to like get into just objective quality of movies you absolutely no one should watch this film this film was fucking dog shit front to back yeah there are i think other movies with more like extreme like standout things that made them like my least favorite but if you want to go just like minute per minute this was such a like fucking slog to get through and it's so it's so poorly made like she's in um you know obviously she's in a lot of movies that you like could call like poorly made or whatever like by um sort of mainstream standards but i think like usually they make it like work um but this was just like a true assault on the senses yeah just like also they're not blood brothers they are literally related by blood like fucking no it's get the clever fuck out of here I could literally, I could do a fucking entire podcast just ripping this movie apart. Just, it fucking sucked. Ken Faree deserves better than this. Barbara Crampton deserves better than this. The writer of this movie needs to go to a fucking therapist. <laughs> yes. All right. Um, right. Uh, next is Beyond the Gates, uh, which is like this, um, uh, what do you call it? <laughs> this sort of just like a nostalgia movie about old um, games uh, where these two brothers who uh, own own a video store, or I guess their dad owned the video store. Yeah, their um, dad owned the video store. Yeah, their died. dad owned the video store. So they're like, uh, they're looking through the stock and they find this old game beyond the gates and start playing it. Um, and I found, uh, I found this movie really frustrating because I feel like uh, when you hear the premise, it's like so obvious where the like, fun and where the visual style would come from and then it just like doesn't do any of that and it's mostly just a very large parts of this are like a very boring drama yeah um I, i'll say that this gets my black ball and that is like very much like the critic in me speaking because this movie does every single thing that i hate about um 80s nostalgia like i fucking hate stranger things i think stranger things sucks um even though i do kind of enjoy the first season i think that there's a lot of like all the gross cynical like you remember this don't you we've got a thing poster 80s baby we're referencing stuff um that that would like be the downfall of seasons two and three um but just like every literally this movie ends with a guy walking into the needful things store where beyond the gates the board game is sold and it's like do you have anything from the 80s and it's like yes i just watched this fucking movie too shut up like i hate i hate this i hate it there's so many moments where it's just like here's this thing from the 80s we're doing the thing from the 80s we've got a board game with a vhs tape and it's exactly like it was in the 80s and it's shot to be exactly like it is in the 80s but it's on digital so it looks like shit and like it just there's so many creative decisions um and i will say particularly in the writing i think that like there are for for my problems with how unabashedly it just cribs from the style of the time the style of the time was all right like i think that there were decisions that could have been made um that would have at least made this movie like 
a little better on the eyes or a little more visually inspired, but they are going for that cheap look. Um, and because it's like shot on digital, you can just be like, yeah, that looks like that. That's that looks like shit. Um, it's kind of like how uh, Ang Lee is uh, his all of his uh, like 4K high frame rate things really fuck with the performances in his movies because actors aren't used to acting on that style of like film uh where where all you can you can like see the decisions that they're making you can see them going like maybe i need to be like looked at from this angle because this is my good side um and the lights coming from over here uh whereas like 4k is just like anything in natural lighting just looks weird it just looks like you're looking at your window and that's it, it kind of strips away some of the things that we come to know as like movie magic and i think that this film suffers from that where it is trying to recapture so directly and so faithfully things from uh production uh, uh ethos uh, ethos from like the 80s that don't jive with the modern like technology um and then you slap on this like really navel gazing script about like just profoundly unlikable characters like not a damn likable character in this movie and not in the way where it's like these guys are flawed like tony soprano and that's fun to watch like i don't know i just i really 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 am am just not into nostalgia broadly generally and to see it so done so directly and then as a result like undermining itself is just so aggravating to me you know yeah yeah, it just felt like it didn't even do, like, what it was supposed to do. Like, it did not fulfill a basic promise. It was just, like, if, like, Jumanji just had, like, long sequences in the middle where they were like, well, should we get back to, like, cleaning out our basement now? And you're like, no, I, I don't want to watch that. There were so many times watching this when I thought, like, wasn't this supposed to be about a video game? Yeah, it's it's so weird how many times they, like, because they're doing, like, Jumanji, but scary. But it's like if Jumanji, they could, like, put the board game away mid midway through a couple <laughs> yeah, times and there's then continue. no urgency. It's so weird. There's, like, blatant scenes where someone's like, well, should we stop with this game thing? And it's like, if you have that option, then I don't know why there's a movie. Yeah. And I don't think, and I, again, like, this is one of those times where it's like, the performances in this movie aren't terrible. Like I think the people are trying and they're they're having an effect to some degree, but the writing is just not there. Like it I who there's like a scene where they somebody takes an ambient and then has sex and it's like you're going to sleep in like 5 minutes. Like what is happening? Yeah, the writing's really bad. Like it has so much expository dialogue there's like the the opening scene where they're just like after all we did agree to clean out our dad's video store is so painful yeah like that's that's the biggest problem too with the the nostalgia element is it's just like this movie is obvious enough as it is and so it really struggles to do anything with any measure of subtlety um there are there are like a, that's and that's what's so frustrating to me and that's why it gets my black ball is because like there are ideas in this that are good like 
we've talked about, I liked Your Next and We're Still Here, which are doing 80s repackaging, but they're they're building off of it in a significant way. And the difference is that the, the writing in those movies is, I know, I know you don't like Your Next, but to, to me, is a lot more engaging than this. This is like, this is some really, it, it almost feels like they're going for a... Um, uh, kids movie what's what's the one I think it's called it's not from it's just I think it's called the beyond yeah it feels like uh they're doing a um a movie that's more aimed for kids uh uh in the in that way where it's like oh wow like I saw this when I was a kid and it was really scary and it actually fucked me up it's kind of weird that this is a kids movie but I like that um but with like mature themes and and uh, and uh, uh, v- like visual and and uh, you know like period theming that is for adults, and so it ends up kind of just being a total fucking disaster. Yeah, it's uh, really like unclear what it's going for because it has that quality of like sometimes feeling like a kids movie, but also like uh, being like a very boring adult movie with like a lot of conversations about their father um and then it also like feels like a cash grab except like it's about something like really niche that would like never grab a lot of cash um it's it's very strange um all right next is day of reckoning uh the tv movie um there are some good uh raptor attacks or whatever you want to call them um in this movie but uh i thought that like in between attacks there was just like way too much uh very boring family drama and uh for that reason i don't think i can recommend it the like ratio is way way off i um i i i totally i totally am I get you get that i watch a lot of this tier of horror movie um and I'll say for this, this sort of like, this is closer to like C list. Like this is, do you know the Asylum? No. They're this production studio. Uh, they did like Sharknado, uh, which is what they're famous for. And I fucking hate Sharknado. <laughs> um, but I do kind of like some of their other movies where they just do these like dirt cheap, like the cheapest fucking movies that they possibly can. This is like, Blum, Jason Blum wishes that he made Asylum <laughs> movies. Because um, they make movies for so fucking cheap that it's basically impossible to not turn a profit on them. Um, and they all have these, like, terrible effects. They're they're written, it feels like, in a day. Uh, and everybody sort of, it feels like everybody just sort of shows up and, like, has a good time and collects a paycheck. And, and like, some of those movies, I think, like, obviously are better than others. Um, I would say that this leans towards the better uh, so if if you are into uh, this echelon of horror where it is like you're in a submarine set um, for most of it and the CG is like, it just doesn't even look like it's there, uh, then I would recommend it, especially for Barbara, who I think is has a fun time in this movie. Um, God, they literally, what's the fucking line? There's a line in this that I think is incredibly funny. Um... It's oh yeah it's 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 the day of reckoning not the day of we'll all be best friends. <laughs> so there's like a, a, some fun stuff. I don't think that these movies ever like dare themselves to like 
really go for it. And I do think that's why ultimately a lot of them are kind of like, take them or leave them. Um, I take this one. So yeah, you know, next up is death house. Uh, I was so excited when I saw the premise of this and it was like, they're trapped in a prison based on the circles of hell in Dante's Inferno and they have to get out. I was like, what a slam dunk. And then watching it, I was just immediately like, I feel like you're not delivering on any promises. I thought this was uh, pretty pretty hard to get through. Yeah, they. Uh, I think it ends decently, but what a slog. Like, yeah. you can really tell, too, that they... I mean, okay, I did, a, I did some reading on this movie, and apparently this is like a... It was a huge passion project from... Oh, God. It was, I believe, I, I'm going to double check this. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this, was, this movie was like a passion project um, by uh, Gunnar Hansen, who was the guy who played Leatherface in the original Texas oh, Chainsaw. Um, he wrote this movie because he thought it would be a really fun idea to incorporate like as many horror legends and tropes and sort of do a metatextual uh uh play with horror which honestly like i think that's a i think that's a fun idea like i think the meat's there but he uh died unfortunately before it could be released and um then other people took up the mantle because they because like the horror community is pretty close tight-knit um they like each other uh, and they like to work with each other and so that's kind of what happened with this movie. And you can really tell that they just like blew their budget on all these appearances. I think it would have been a smarter idea to to get people who were like, to just have sort of like parody versions of those villains played by different actors instead of spending all your money on like, we're literally getting Danny Trejo and people like that to come in. Yeah, it... The, the funniest thing too about this movie i think that this movie is also like kind of gross like this is the this is one of the tna examples where i'm like this is like pretty exploitative and nasty yeah i agree uh i actually uh, i i initially turned this on with a group of people because i was like yeah this movie looks stupid this will be fun and it's got all these like horror icons in it so it's like at least it'll be like fun to watch and then it got to like the third rape threat and i was like I'm not comfortable with how this movie's gonna handle a sexual assault scene. Uh, let's maybe turn this off and watch something else and I'll finish this on my own. Um, uh, and then they never follow up on it. And I was like, what the fucking fuck? Which, I mean, I'm glad because I think it would have been a lot worse given how gross this movie is. Like, there's that scene where they have all the like comatose automatons and they're literally like stripping them all naked and it's all women so you can see the breasts and like and they're just sitting there and it's just nasty it's it's this like really gross i don't know horror this is like the thing i really don't like about horror especially cheap horror is that there's not a ton of oversight and so like that's why it became such a like titty genre um because you could just do whatever the fuck you wanted on a fucking movie set as it was pretty much back in the day. And then horror especially. And so then so many people have considered 
like female nudity uh to be integral to the genre and i don't think that that's the case at all like not everyone can can walk that line like a Stuart gordon you know and especially because so many people have not examined their own uh uh let's let's say lustfulness uh that that can come out in their own writing it's very it's very like ew quentin tarantino wrote this because he liked because he wanted a foot reel that he could watch at home uh type deal and they there's like a weird strain in this movie did you notice this where like they're like well we're making it in 2018 or whenever and feminism exists so we have to we have to have a couple lines of like girl power like i think literally (laughs) that is said in the movie and um and then there's that scene where the two protagonists are showering and we get that like (laughs) shot of her breasts and then the movie's like well equity i guess and so it shows his breasts and it's like no 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 no. listen i'm gay that's not the same thing give me give me some dick give me some dick or some (laughs) ass on this fella and then we'll call it even (laughs) yeah there was a i felt like a lot of stuff um especially that automaton scene that like could have been like really like fucked up and cool and it just felt like they like completely missed the mark and it like just feels uh like planned and a little gross yeah and the story is like kind of nothing it's particularly in regards to its characters where like the guy who ends up um being the like real villain of the thing is the dude who played jason Voorhees, and if you know that like it it makes his abilities to like literally get disemboweled and then stand up like two seconds later unharmed make a little more sense because it's playing off of that character um but unless you literally are like following along with the imdb or are so intimately familiar with all of these people that uh you would you would know the context of who they played and that's why they are the way they are this movie doesn't like sell and it already doesn't sell to begin with um so it 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 just doesn't it makes too many assumptions about its audience and forgets to like tell a coherent cohesive story in the process you know yeah like uh god bless the person who wrote the netflix description because it sounds like this like great like simple idea of just like we're trapped in a high-tech prison we have to get out and you're like okay great and then there's just like so much going on that like really weighs the story down when they could have simplified it a lot more yeah this is i would say skip this one this one feels like one of the ones where barbara crampton was like eh i'm i'm not a fan it it felt like she did not enjoy being in this movie which sucks yeah you see her play similar characters enough in other stuff that i don't think you see this yeah um all right next up is dead night which is a movie about uh uh, family uh, that gets murdered uh, where they're in a uh, vacation in a kind of remote uh, house in the woods. Uh, I thought this one really didn't work. They do this thing where they show um, like a 60 minute style news uh, magazine throughout, mm-hmm. like talking about what happened. And it feels like it's supposed to like build up like curiosity of like, oh, like what really happened? Um, and I don't think that it works at all. Um, it didn't. It didn't add to my suspense. And there's like 
stuff in there that just makes it more confusing. Like um, Barbara Crampton is this stranger they found in the woods and then it cuts to this news report where they're like, uh, it was confirmed that there never was a stranger in the woods, um, but they don't explain like why the cops would be so confident when we saw that there was a stranger in the woods. And so it just feels like it like, raises more questions instead of like making the movie more interesting and um kind of other than the atypical format it just feels like almost a like lifetimey movie yeah Um. (laughs) it's it's specific it's all the forest sets where you can tell it feels like they're not in a real forest you it feels like they're in a warehouse um and i don't know if that's because of the lighting which again like not to harp too much on production still but like god the lighting in this movie is so fucking bad dude like it's you really like i think that's one of the another reason why i like barbara crampton's filmography is because it runs such a dearth of quality and Mm -hmm. and a dearth of like budget um that you can see similar things happening in other movies and you can you can compare the two like from beyond is a movie that lives and dies on its lighting like it, mm-hmm. it fucking lives and dies on its. Uh, I know the bisexual lighting thing is kind of silly, but like mm-hmm. it does do that. Um, and so, so like, but 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 so to compare from beyond with Dead Night, you can be like, okay, like the lighting is shitty here, and it wouldn't have saved this movie, but it would have made it a little more watchable. It would have made it a little like sturdier as a whole. Um, I think straight up, I think that Barbara Crampton is the only good thing in this movie. I think that yeah, she, I agree. I think she has a fun time with her performance as this like evil witch alien politician. Um, I think all of the body horror in this is stupid. There are so few movies that do like alien impregnation stuff in a way that doesn't feel like fucking gross to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Extra, I think is maybe one of the only movies I've seen that does that like really well um yeah there's there's also and again like there's all sorts of stuff that in the writing that just doesn't make sense like they come across her in the woods and she's like passed out and he gives her cpr and that that doesn't like you wouldn't you wouldn't do that like and again not to not to not to be like cinema sensing this movie but there does need to be if you're going for a a movie that isn't like quote-unquote dreamlike there does need to be a level of um, reality to the way that your characters behave. It's so yeah, weird. For, uh, yeah, there's so many points where this like pretty simple story is so confusing. Like uh, when they first bring Barbara Crampton in the house, she's like a little weird, but she's not like being like mean or anything and they're like so immediately just like fuck this woman yeah. like really aggressively and it's so strange and it um and it just i feel like undercuts what the movie is trying to do because it feels like it's supposed to be like a slow simmer of like her getting more and more suspicious that it or not more and more suspicious like more and more conspicuous that is like completely undercut by this family's weird overreaction of being like we got to get this lady out of here yeah and it's also undercut by the structure like not only is it doing those weird like um news things it's also it's also framed there's like a framing device in this movie as like it's it's a uh documentary about the mom killing everybody 
Uh, oh, was that, was that a documentary? I thought that was like the sixty minutes style. Oh yeah, you're right. Sorry, sorry. Sixty minutes. But there are like there are like news commercials for yeah. there. There's like a she. You see Barbara Crampton's political ad, I believe. Yeah, it's really weird because that's like her very first appearance in the movie. Yeah. I actually was worried that was like gonna be her only appearance was just in the fake ad yeah. and was like, oh fuck this movie. Maybe I'll turn it off. <laughs> um, but then it was like. When she really appears, that feels like it's supposed to be, like, an interesting um, sort of dramatic irony that, like, they don't know this weird lady is, like, running for a huge government position. But then it doesn't really affect the rest of the movie, I thought. Yeah, like, it just comes in. It just comes back at the very end to be, like, the witches are the Illuminati, I guess. <laughs> the alien Illuminati. Yeah. Yeah. Dead Knight is not great skip it yeah it's like everything about it is such a like so mediocre even like the fact that it's called dead night is the, like the literally the most generic horror movie title they could have thought of mm -hmm. um all right next up is puppet master the littlest right uh, what Oof. i found <laughs> what i found most interesting about this movie is the fact that for a good like 30 to 40 minutes it's sort of this like quiet movie about Tom Lennon being like this middle-aged guy who's returned home and like has met uh, a nice lady. It feels like a like Jason Bateman sort of dramedy, mm -hmm. which is just so weird knowing that it's going to be a horror movie about puppet Nazis. Yeah. Um, so that's very odd. And then also it's just um, like the fact that Tom Lennon is there and the other main character is uh, Nelson Franklin from uh, Blackish. And I don't, usually I don't like when um, people will be like, uh, why was that person in this movie? Because I'm usually like, I mean, they're a working actor. But like in this case, it was like, it is insane that these rich network TV people were at all involved in why this movie. Why is Tom fucking Lennon in this movie? Yeah, Tell me he why. Has, <laughs> like, he's one of those actors who's like not that, um, he's not like a household name or anything. Um, so... People don't realize like how incredibly rich he is, but Tom Lennon has money. Yeah. He doesn't have to do anything, and it's just so fucking weird I, that he's in the Littlest Reich of all things. It's okay. This actually, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna move my black ball. <laughs> I, I'm thinking about this more deeply, and I'm gonna move my black ball um, to this movie. Are you familiar with S. Craig Zoller? No. He that he's done um uh uh Bone Tomahawk uh Brawl on Cell Block 49 47 or 49 um and Dragged Across Concrete. I think that he there is some real fucking Emperor's new clothes shit happening with S. Craig Zoller. Um he is a complete hack writer, uh is an incredible racist uh to to and not just not just in his movies like oh, i i will i will expound on on bone tomahawk and its relation to this in a second but not just in his movies but in his production he is one of the people in hollywood who's like i specifically want mel gibson for this role oh wow. yeah he's mel gibson isn't dragged across concrete to play a racist cop and it's just like what the fuck is wrong with you dude <laughs> my yeah. my partner was going through um celebrity or like movie people's donations and shocker uh s craig zoller has donated a lot to republican candidates he is not a good person um 
And he, and and I know that not being a good person doesn't necessarily make you a bad writer, but S. Craig Zoller is a bad writer, and this movie is proof of that. Yeah, this is also my black ball. It's uh, um, it like I could see moments of like getting how it's supposed to be empowering, especially this moment when um, Nelson Franklin is like doing something brave. I forget exactly what it is, but he's like. I can think of six million reasons why I got to do this. Um, so I was like, I get like how it's sort of like supposed to be like empowering in like a schlocky way, but um, I just uh, don't think it did enough, a good enough job of making any sort of like point or like taking any kind of stand on, th- on anything. And then it's also just like not like an interesting movie. I didn't notice any like well done sequences or anything. Yeah, it's like, kind of anti-semitic at points mm-hmm. like i know that it i know that it is supposed to be like at the i don't know like i am somebody who does not particularly enjoy rape revenge films like i i there are a couple there are a couple that i've seen like ma which i think do interesting stuff with it and are better than the lion's share of that genre but the entire empowerment angle which which like jesus christ again like out of the cereal box feminism like oh we we killed the bad guys that's empowerment (laughs) um is even that like incredibly mild moderate uh uh simple dog dick simple uh empowerment is couched within extreme disempowerment and i think that this movie uh kind of tracks in that same uh mud where there's all these lines and it's so dumb it's so hacky uh where there's that line where uh the lady's like oh that's kind of weird like why you're jewish why do you uh collect nazi dolls isn't that like kind of weird and he's like well actually like lots of Jewish people collect these because it gives them a sense of ownership. And like, that's true. Like, yeah, sure. But like, I'm not watching a fucking infomercial here. That is <laughs> evident in the in in the premise of the film. And then they spend all this time on like weird actual Jewish stereotypes that aren't like attempts to subvert in any way at all. Um, it's just like... And it's just such a gross, dumb movie. Like, even the kills where you can feel S. Craig Zeller being like, this is such creative schlock. Like, when that guy gets his head cut off and pisses on his own head. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> fuck you. Like, get this dumb fucking, like, that's like video game writing. That's like Gears of War fucking, like, we've got a chainsaw in the end of the gun. And isn't it fucking sick that, like, uh, we, we like can shove it up the locust's ass and then like blow their head off through their ass. And it's just fucking just bad schlock. There's so much better schlock that is like more interesting to watch. And I feel bad too for Barbara Crampton because I read an interview where she, she's like, yeah, like I have like a monologue in this movie and I rehearsed it so much. And like, she's trying in this movie and this movie just fucking sucks the energy out of everything in it it just sucks so fucking bad Ugh. yeah it's bad <laughs> bad and gross yeah 
Um, all right, next is a couple of episodes of the show Channel Zero, uh, Ashes on My Pillow, and Where Did You Sleep Last Night? Um, I thought this show was like not painfully bad, but it's very much like the faux prestige kind of show. Mm-hmm. Like it's trying really hard to be prestige and mostly does that by like having a lot of therapy scenes like The Sopranos does. Um, I yeah, I just felt like there wasn't like enough that was like original or interesting in it. It's fine. Um, yeah, I'm not a. <sighs> I'm I'm just generally not a fan of creepy pastas and and also this I which which did you watch both episodes? Mm-hmm. I watched Where Did You Sleep Last Night and like the uh uh Pretzel Jack is like really good. Uh like legitimately very creepy and the way he moves is incredible. Um that that contortionist should absolutely get some like Doug Jones work in in Hollywood. Um but there were so many moments where I was like, why is this happening? Like, and it really did feel like a creepy pasta in that, like, this actually isn't scary. And right, I did yeah. end up looking into um, how it ends. And I watched the last episode and it ends pretty bad. I know that there are good creepy pastas. I think the creepy pastas that get the most attention uh, are the ones that aren't scary. Like the big... The big one that I grew up knowing was Ben Drowned, which is the Haunted Zelda game. And it's literally like, I, I got this game at a garage sale. And the guy was like, don't buy it. And I said, but I want to buy it. And the guy said, buy, okay, I'll sell it to you, but don't play it. And like, that's not scary. And then and then it's like, oh, like I put the game in. And the weird thing was the A button was the B button on the screen. And it's like, that's not. And there was already a save file. And it's like that shit's not scary like that's just shit that happens in video games like and it's so meandering and it's not very well written because it's obviously written by young people i think that they should really like if you're gonna make a creepypasta show you should pick a better creepypasta you know um even though i think the execution of pretzel jack is really good i don't think barbara crampton has a lot to do in this but she does it well no yes uh, yeah, I, I don't think uh, it's worth watching for her at all. Uh, not that she's bad on it, but just like not an interesting role, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, all right, so our final thing is Culture Shock. Um, this one's sort of confusing on IMDb. It looks like an episode of a show called Into the Dark that's called Culture Shock, but um, it's actually like Hulu does a like movie collection. Um, so it's just a movie called Culture Shock. Um, and I did not like this um the one the good thing about it i thought was the like visual aesthetic um which is like really creepy and interesting and i i really like when scary stuff um aesthetically goes with looking like really nice instead of like really like grimy and stuff i always enjoy that um and it is pretty creepy uh but outside of that uh i hated it uh i I'm I'm willing to use my I'm Mexican authority card on this one because uh, I just like hated a lot of it. Um, the the villain who is Creed Bratton from The Office that was the one really exciting part because I'm watching The Office right now and I was just like holy fuck that's Creed and he's fucking great in this. Um, but uh, just like the like villain I won't say like exactly what the end is because it is kind of a huge spoiler but um when he's like explaining why they did this he's like because we're not we're not physically torturing anyone we're not separating them from their kids we're uh and we're saving the taxpayers money but like the situation in this movie I was like none of those things can possibly be true yeah (laughs) 
Um, and I just like, I didn't, there wasn't, I felt enough like explanation for why it was happening. And it would have just like made more sense if they were like, we did this because we just hate immigrants and want to do bad stuff to them. Like that would be way better. Um, and yeah, I just thought like the forced like topicality that didn't really have a point is one of my like least favorite things that happens in movies. Yeah. Um, I, I actually am going to spoil this cause like, okay, no sure. one. Okay. Well, a little context. These are like, these, this is a deal made with Blumhouse to have these movies. These are all Blumhouse movies and Blumhouse. Like I talked about the asylum earlier, Blumhouse kind of has that same model, but like budget is, is higher. The ceiling that they are willing to go to is higher um, for whatever reason. But Jason, so Jason Blum kind of just like chucks a couple million at something, uh, which is why, uh, what was that fucking remake that came out this year? Um, um, Fantasy Island. Dog shit. Just, just nothing good in it. Literally absent of quality. And everyone hated it. It did bad critically. It did bad uh, uh, in audiences. Like, audiences hated it, too. And it made a ton of fucking money. Because it was, like, $3 million And you can just, like, underhand toss in $10 million on that type of movie. And you'll make money. And that's the Blumhouse model. Which, like... It, I, I hate that. I think it's really cynical. I know we've gotten some good Blumhouse movies. There are Blumhouse movies that I really like. But... Um, I hate that. This is their is their lower tier. The Enter the Dark series is their like, oh, we're not even gonna give this like these are very clearly low budget. These are clearly lower budget than um than uh most of Blumhouse's thing. And it's on Hulu. No one's watching this. This is not this is not this is why I'm spoiling. These are not movies to be watched by anyone ever. This is literally just so like Hulu can say that they have a Blumhouse content deal. Here's our content on our platform. Please watch it um, without trying. Cause I've actually seen uh, a couple others of these. Uh, they're fucking disgusting movies. I'll, I'll say out and out. There's one called a nasty piece of work, which is um, maybe like one of the least charming movies I've ever seen down to featuring a guy playing somebody with a physical disability like he has a serious mental disability and then that character is revealed to not even have that it is it is fucking it's some disgusting shit and then there's another one that is uh uh do you know the the internet musician poppy yeah the it's the story about the original girl who played poppy who was horribly abused by that guy just terrible and it's one of those like quote-unquote empowerment movies where she's treated like shit and then kills him um was made without that woman's consent um and it is also like a ugly exploitative thing and that is kind of why i went in really like being like fuck this movie <laughs> like this <Yeah>. shit sucks <laughs> um it is not i don't think I don't, I don't know i don't think i get to be the authority I personally did not find it nearly as reprehensible as some of the other ones, but the antipathy at the end of like, you should have the freedom to choose whether you want to actually stay in Mexico or go to the US, but it should be free, um, is such like a weak nothing of a statement that it's better than those other two movies 
which are which are trying to be like I, like i don't even know what those movies are trying to be or do you know so yeah like at the end of this movie she uh and correct me if i'm wrong the protagonist who's sort of been struggling with like whether she wants to actually go to america with or the u.s with her kid um with her baby uh or stay in mexico because she's not really sure about like abandoning her life at the end she doesn't she choose to return to mexico um i honestly don't remember it uh, that i suppose doesn't matter but the, the crux of it is like people should have a choice and like that completely fucking ignores every single piece of socio-political reality that exists within that theme like even down to things that the movie itself has invoked yeah it's it doesn't make any sense because it's like um if like in the u.s they're like torturing these people then just being like well you can choose to be here with mexico is like that was never the issue it's just like don't torture them if they do come to the u.s yeah and like it, it theoretically like i think it is making an interesting point about the erasure of identity and and how like imperialism like imposes that upon something i gotta say for the the end of the dark movies that i've seen this one is is the one that has the most actual like ideas that could have been turned into real quality um but it doesn't really like go anywhere with them or do anything i do think barbara crampton is fine like again barbara crampton yeah, is a great actress a very good role for her <laughs> i think she does a good um, job yeah she she fit into that aesthetic and played with it very well um those scenes like before you know what's really happening are definitely the best part where you're just like oh this looks interesting and has kind of a creepy feel and barbara crampton's menacing mm-hmm. um yeah i thought the like stuff about cultural assimilation was very weird because it was just kind of like that's not even the issue at this point mm-hmm. just like don't torture immigrants yeah. like i can't say that enough it's just like so weird to even have it be like about like should they celebrate the 4th of july it's like that doesn't matter yet (laughs) (laughs) Um, and they they like try to do these weird like they try to do this like arc with the villain like sean ashmore is supposed to be like the more sympathetic character who at like some point is like i thought you were doing something good here and it's like why yeah how could you possibly have thought that it's when they cut out to like outside of the vr experiment and it's like clearly like a weird matrix like test tube we're using them for their warmth dungeon or whatever it's just like yeah dude it's it's like that fucking sketch like yeah man you are the baddies (laughs) um and i also thought the like main character they just like didn't put any effort into like making her feel real like her reactions don't make any sense like the Every time Barbara Crampton would be like, um, no, I'm not going to give your baby. I'll keep him. She would just sort of be like, oh, okay. (laughs) And it's like the entire point of the movie is that this should be like psychologically tormenting her. Um, And uh, like they, they don't put in the effort with the protagonist, but they clearly like want her so bad. Like they think she's a strong protagonist so badly. Like there's that moment where she like, um, gets to like the edge of the simulation and um creed bratton is like you're the first person who's ever found it and it's like she's the first person who tried walking a little bit (laughs) so weird oh my god 
Yeah, those movies suck so fucking bad. I I uh, I know I went on about it, and I'll admit I'm. Do you watch Red Letter Media? No. They're like a YouTube outlet of like movie guys. They they kind of are like the pioneers of the YouTube film essay for good and mostly ill, unfortunately, <laughs> be given given comma YouTubers. Um, uh, but I don't really watch them that much anymore because I think that they uh, are very limited by their own perspective as like dudes. Um, but they do make interesting points. And the other day, like, it had been, like, years since I watched them, but they did a video about the Culture Shock movies, and that's kind of where I got a lot of my um, ideas about the budget from. Um, and they described these movies as the buffet of movies, where it's, like, there's food that's set out, and it's going <laughs> to be there, and then at the end of the day, it's going to get chucked in the trash. And that's kind of what these movies are, is just, like, yeah, that you go to the buffet and you might watch, you might have some of these and you probably won't have most of them, but they existed and they were there to be eaten and they're going to be thrown in the garbage someday. Yeah, and I really hate how um, with this movie and it sounds like a lot of these movies, like they have that attitude, but they insist on this sort of like topical message. Cause I just like, it's just like, if you're gonna make like a bad shitty movie, don't like make that, mexicans problems or like rape victims problem like just leave them alone you know yeah it's better like honestly it's better to like stumble into your own themes writing schlock instead of setting out to make like a low budget episode of a low budget long episode of like the fucking daily show exactly okay i was gonna say it does feel like if like one of those shitty things like full frontal was just like what if also there were monsters Ugh. Oh, kind of a bummer that that's the last entry. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, overall, this was just so, this was so interesting uh, to watch. Uh, it was, I learned something totally new about movies, a corner I'd never experienced. Um, and I, I enjoyed, uh, I enjoyed checking all these out. I'm so glad. Yeah. Like I, that's the thing is like, I don't regret even the ones that I didn't like with the exception of like Littlest Reich. But even that, I'm glad I watched that because now I can be like, S. Craig Seller does actually suck unironically. <laughs> um, uh, like, I don't know, just these movies are so interesting. And, and even when they don't work, I think that they don't work in like really interesting, visible ways that like really are instructive about what does and does not work in cinema outside of just like the raw you know you can't you like you can't just like plug and play like lights writing or whatever because then you get a marvel movie um i like that these are all people just like really working hard mostly to try and make something that they can be like proud about and passionate of like a lot of these are not big like product movies they're art <laughs> i like that i like art even when it's bad yeah, I agree. Um, well, I like to finish out with a fuck, Mary kill of all the characters uh, uh, th that this person played. Um, so I'm going to say that I'm going to fuck from beyond, girl. I'm going to marry uh, we are still here, girl. And I will kill Sunchoke, girl. <laughs> um, 
I will. Oh wait, didn't we? We missed a movie, didn't we? Which one? We did. It was the. Do you remember that weird indie film? Uh, that's all about. God, what? A little sister. Little si- We missed Little Sister. Um, I don't think I watched this one. Ooh, okay. I I would actually recommend this one. I um. It's it's very weird. It is a very weird indie movie. Um that is is sort of about this like it's it's a family like relationship movie and it is very uneven. Um like I would not I would not be surprised or blame somebody who watched it uh for coming away being like I don't think that was very good and I don't think it succeeded. But it's like it's it's like metal twee if that makes sense like it's just it's got enough of that like you know we're grungy like fucked up freaks you know like i like when i was a kid listening to like n- grunge metal that nobody had heard about and was like super pissed off all the time that 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 sort of um tone is present in the movie and they have kind of like a dark Uh, relationship in this family like the mom is clearly like verbally abusive and stuff and um but is like trying to become a better person like it's not just her character trait is abuse and then the plot is about the people like it's not that she doesn't change or attempt to change um it's just like a weird movie about these like weird people and it kind of feels twee because there's like moments where it's like yeah we're like dancing in the woods wearing weird fucked up masks because like my brother got got his face um destroyed in the iraq war uh it is very anti-war which is like i don't know it's it's kind of hard to describe because it sort of isn't all over the place movie um but i really liked it like i think it came i came away being like there were like a ton of cooks in that kitchen and it was really messy because of it but all those cooks were like making their own fun little dish you know it i would actually i would actually recommend it also it's a pretty breezy movie barbara crampton is not in it much so i would not like watch it for her she plays a um the the headmaster at a nunnery that that the protagonist like leaves to kind of go back home because she's left home because her family's fucking terrible to her um yeah i don't know like i have a weird fondness for that movie that i can't fully explain um but i realized we'd forgotten to talk about it i wanted to mention it because i did like it um and it is part of biabs's uh filmography nice fuck mary kill uh yeah from beyond barbara I, I have not I've not brought it up a lot. I think that Barbara Crampton is a very beautiful person. <laughs> she is incredibly attractive. Was and is. Like just I I think she's extremely attractive. Um I'm pretty sure I said is. I feel like she's gotten hotter with age. <laughs> um I would I think actually mine aligns pretty close with yours is from beyond and uh we are still here. Um but I will differ in the last one. I will kill her in Death House to put her out of her misery. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, 
Well, everybody, thanks for listening. Uh, Like I said up top, this is going to be the last episode of The Filmographers. Uh, My new podcast is also going to be on the Major Cast Network, and it'll be called Chapter Surfing. I made a Twitter today, which is at Chapter Surfing, so you can follow that uh, to make sure you get the first episode whenever it comes out. Uh, Alayam, what would you like to plug? Um... You can follow me on Twitter on my backup account because <laughs> I'm currently locked out of my first one. Too edgy. I know. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at backup underscore ebooks. And uh, uh, also, I uh, released a like short, I guess it's like folk. I've never really like bothered to think about what genre I belong to, um, but I released a album uh in march uh called nothing in this life is sure you can find that uh on lam.bandcamp.com e-l-e-u-m um it's free because i don't make my living as an artist but if you do pay money for it i'm going to be donating every single cent i get to um shahid buttar who is currently uh uh nancy pelosi's progressive challenger for the senate um yeah, uh, that's about it. Oh, yeah, you can also, you know what? This is this is movies. Uh, you can also follow my Letterboxd. I I write short little reviews about every single movie that I watch. Um, they're usually like pretty silly, but sometimes they're more serious. I'm extremely proud of my Wolf of Wall Street and The Irishman reviews. Um, I'm on that as L A M Lochney, L O U G H N E Y. Um. Yeah, I think that's All it. Right. Thank you for having me, Lenny. This was super fun. I yeah, adore Barbara Crampton. Uh, <laughs> and also, she. I'm very excited. She's producing a Castle Freak movie. I don't know if it's like a reboot or a sequel or what. Um, but it is completed production. So hoping that'll not be affected by COVID. And um, yeah, I'm just. I don't know. I'm just a big fan of Barbara Crampton. I think she's neat. Barbara Crampton's great. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Major Casts Network. Stay fun, stay nasty, and stay major.